Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Four Persons Show on Blog Talk Radio. We are your enthusiastic and faithful Catholic apostolate. For more information about what we do, go to our show page at thefourpersons.com and our blog site at thefourpersons.net. To call in tonight with your comment or question, dial 515-602-9655. The number, again, is 515-602-9655. Happening in Houston, um, 
I'm going to let uh, Dick and Denny get into the details on it. Um, but we've got some land donated to us, and we're just trying to reach out and, and uh, help help men um, try to live holy lives, uh, people that, that got out and uh, did a lot of time in prison, and now they're, they're, they're back out in the streets. And... Uh, you know they want to serve Christ and they they want to they want to do right and uh, so that's what we're uh, hoping to accomplish with this. Uh, it's an outreach of the reintegration into society uh, program. Um, John, can you hear me? I'm back with you. So I've identified all our callers. I'll give you a rundown who we got real quick. Of course, we got the uh, uh, deep. Deacon Denny. Yeah, bring Deacon Denny. Bring Deacon Denny on. Deacon Denny, how you doing tonight? I'm uh, doing great. Doing great. God bless you. I'm just going to announce who the rest of the callers are, just so you know who's on the switchboard. Of course, we got uh, Mrs. Delp, who's a regular, and we got another Mrs. Delp. We got Terry's mom, and we have Tommy, all on the switchboard. So uh, you tell me what's going oh, okay. You lead off, follow. All right, go ahead, Deacon Denny. Um, get us started with the Kobe Village and uh, and tell us about uh, some of the uh, stories, amazing stories of Deacon Denny. <laughs> well, uh, let me just let me back up a little bit. Um, uh, actually, is Tommy on the line? He is. Maybe he's not. Uh, maybe Tommy wants to tell you a little bit about the the Kobe House, how that started, and how it. I morphed into the village. All right, or not. Sure. Bring him on, on. Tommy, you're on the air. How are you doing this evening? Fantastic. Hope everybody else is. Uh, Kobe House was actually a long process. It was put together. The actual plan of action for it was put together while still in prison with uh, several other brothers of St. Dismas. Uh, we came up with the idea and actually the rules and uh, how we were going to run it. And when I got out, it took 10 years to get it, get one open, but the Lord opened it. Uh, we have beds for six men. And basically we're a uh, show the men that they are loved and help raise their self-esteem and pride in the Catholic, not only in themselves, but with the Catholic faith. And matter of fact, this weekend there's a retreat and all the people, at the, all the brothers at the house are going to the retreat. So, Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I think really uh, uh, to set the, the stage, uh, Tommy uh, uh, kind of summarized it, but the the house, the Colby house, the first house was um, actually it was a crack house, and they were selling drugs out the front door and manufacturing them in a secret room in the garage. They were cooking meth and things, and then they were taking in stolen property. Well, uh, Tommy was working for some folks that uh, wanted uh, bought this house. The house was raided; it was basically tore up pretty bad and boarded up. Um, and left vacant for a few years. Well, the um, Tommy was working for some folks that bought the house pretty cheaply, and they wanted to uh, rehab it and then flip it. They wanted to flip the house. Well, uh, in the process of building it, Tommy always had this dream of having this um, <clears throat> this Catholic uh, this Catholic uh, community for Catholics coming out of prison where they could reintegrate into society. And he kept pushing that and pushing that. Well, the people finally decided rather than flip the house for profit, how about if we flip it to God? And that's where the Colby House started. They, they donated the house to our corporation. Uh, the, the Colby House is um, the, the Colby House is a, is a corporate nonprofit corporation, 501c3. And it um, uh, Tommy and and others the, the demolishing it had to be completely gutted all the way back to the studs because the strong the smell of drugs and mildew and everything else in there were, were so strong and, and basically had to take the evil out and get rid of it throw it in the garbage burn it and get rid of it and that's what we need to do with 
with evil in our hearts. We need to make a conscious effort to burn it, get rid of it, throw it in the trash pile. Don't recycle it. Just get rid of it, burn it, bury it in the ground, get rid of it. Anyhow, so we built the, um, so the house was built and it opened, uh, what, November 1998? Uh, and the TDCJ, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, came out and and they, um, uh, they approved it as a transitional facility in their, uh, in their language. So then the guy that came out to look at it, you know, to assess it for the parole department, he says the best, uh, best uh, transitional facility he's ever seen. And what makes it unique is that it's, it's a house for Catholics, men coming out of prison, number one. But number two, there's a faith-based program there. And it's uh, every Tuesday night we have mass. We celebrate mass. A priest comes in, we celebrate mass. And every uh, Wednesday night we have something called pizza, prayer, and popcorn. Uh, we bring in, uh, someone brings in pizza, another guy brings in popcorn, and we do a Bible study for about an hour. And usually it's video-based, and then we discuss it. But that has been a tremendous uh, thing because the idea of hardwiring, you know, finding the faith, forming in the faith, hardwiring that into a routine, you know, daily or in this case a weekly routine uh, is what everybody needs. It's what everybody needs. Well, Deacon, we celebrate Deacon uh, I, 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 I just wanted to uh, kind of interrupt real quick because yet mass isn't being celebrated in the house. They actually built a chapel from the ground up in the in the backyard of the transition house yes the the chapel was built by the men themselves there were some that had construction experience and they built a, it holds about 40 you can probably put about 40 people in there it's got its own altar it's got an ambo it's got a um, crucifix it's, it's got pictures of uh, that have been drawn by one of the um, one of the men there was an, quite an accomplished artist picture of Father Maximilian and Padre Pio. The idea is they have pictures on the wall that uh, basically of, uh, of, of saints, so the saints can kind of wrap their arms around those that um, that are there celebrating Mass. But the other thing is the, the, the chapel is called the, the Chapel of Divine Mercy. And the, and the mission of that chapel, if there is such a thing as a mission for a church, there's many missions for a church, but the, the mission of that was to uh, be a place of mercy, a place of healing, a place of forgiveness, a place of peace, but also a place of hope. And uh, the Chapel of Divine Mercy was where that, that name came from. And the first sacrament that was celebrated in that, in, that, um, in that chapel was not Mass, but it was Confession. So we celebrated, everyone went to Confession, and then everybody celebrated Mass right afterwards. And since then, the, the the chapel has been a hub for all kinds of ministries. We've done uh, memorial services for several brothers that have died. We we um, have had team <clears throat> retreat team retreats there. Uh, we we use it sometimes to assemble um, uh, care packages for the homeless. We um, in the last two years, we've given out uh, uh, almost thirty thirty six thousand pounds of care packages, five pound care pack, 36,000 pounds of them to people under the bridges and homeless people. And that is, that's expanded into, now we offer a clothing. We bring 30 to 40 buckets of coal in these big uh, containers of clothing. And they would just let them rifle through there and take what they need, take as much as they need. But that's, um, it's been a real blessing to the men because the men get to see, you know, they get to see the, the, uh, uh, the needy, and how they they can help them, but also they get to see a lot of miracles happening. Uh, one, for example, was Oscar. Well, there's a guy in at the house named Oscar, and he was doing it. He was like one of the winners, a couple of winners back, and he was um, well, he he was working. He was handing out food and handing out packages, handing out the clothing. But it was cold. It was cold, and the um, a guy comes walking up to him. And he doesn't have any shoes on. He's got two garbage bags taped onto his feet. And the Oscar, of course, asked the obvious question, where are your shoes? Uh, he said, well, I don't know where they went. Someone either took them or I lost them. I don't know what happened. They're gone. So at that time, we were not giving out shoes. We weren't, we weren't distributing shoes. So just at that moment, a guy pulls up and he pops a trunk on his car, a guy that nobody knows. We didn't know him. doesn't work with us. doesn't work with, you know, not a homeless person. Pulls up, pops the trunk in his car, and says, oh, I've got some donations to give. So can you use them? Oh, sure, sure. 
And uh, so uh, Oscar says, hey, are there any uh, any shoes in there? Oh, yeah, yeah, some shoes in there. What size are they? Size 12. So he runs over this this guy with no shoes on. He says, what size shoes do you wear? Size 12. <laughs> so Oscar goes, runs over, gets the shoes, gives them to the guy. And the guy puts them on, and he dances down the street happy with a smile on his face. You see, that's what God is all about. That's a miracle. Mm-hmm. And that's the beauty of miracles. The beauty of miracles the beauty of miracles is that miracles actually happen every day. They happen today, not 2,000 years. They happened 2,000 years ago, but they also happen today, and that was yep. a miracle. And let's from that remember, point forward, Deacon, Oscar, yeah. Go ahead. I was just going to say, let's remember, Deacon, this is the same uh, This is the same person that told Peter to walk down to the river and pull a fish out, and you find a coin in his mouth. So, <laughs> find <laughs> yeah. uh, Finding a pair of shoes is not really a big trick for him. <laughs> That's right. Good. Well said. Well said. Very so, well said. I have some good news I'd like to share as well, if, if uh, you'll indulge me. We have received the letter from the IRS. We are now also an official 501c3 charity. We've gone through all the steps. And we are now recognized uh, nationally by the Internal Revenue Service. So uh, um, we want to we want to partner with you guys and anybody that can give us some tips on uh, fundraising and getting funds from the church and grants and what have you to help this uh, apostolate stay uh, stay viable and help spread the word for what you're doing. Uh, at a minimum, I'd ask you all to keep us in your prayers, uh, you know, to that end and. If there's any, you know, direction that you can give us or point us in, we're grateful for that too. Sure, working together. That's that's the the goal is okay. saving souls, saving souls. <clears throat> well, well anyhow, I, 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 go ahead. All right, go ahead and uh, go ahead and, and uh, tell us about uh, how because when you told me about the village, I was I was really excited, and so I'm I'm, I'm hoping that uh. Everybody that's listening will will be excited too. Well, we, we you know we work with uh, a lot of um, other volunteers, and you know what? I've never met a group of volunteers, you know, especially you know people that will go into the prison and volunteer over and over again. I've never met a group of volunteers that are so willingly uh, rolling up their sleeves and doing the hard work of prison ministry. It's hard work. It's hard work, uh, and. And these guys do it with a smile on their face and a song in their heart. I mean, they, they day after day, uh, weekend after weekend, they do weekend. We do weekend retreats, and, and everyone does it, and they they enjoy bringing the uh, the word of God, the love of God, and the hope of God uh, to these men that don't. Are, to be honest with you, can be very very discouraged. You know, and it's a, it's a discouraged a place that's uh, easily uh, can easily discourage one. The thing is, they. Uh, when we bring them hope and we bring them freedom through that hope, uh, their, their bodies might be locked up, but their hearts and their souls and their spirits don't have to be. They can be free, and they can be turning them. They can get the true freedom that only God can give them. You know, and that's the. Uh, uh, I think that's the thing that that fuels fuels the energy of the ministers, but also to the uh, to the brothers in white that that uh, are involved in the program as well. So, but uh, anyhow, the. the um, uh, we have now we have the we have the Colby House, that and then we, and behind that we have the, the Chapel of Divine Mercy, and now we're building two. Um, there's two sheds being built in the in the backyard that'll hold all the equipment from the from the garage. So we will realize the dream of turning one part of the garage into a computer lab, and the other part into a social ministry workshop. And that'll be where we can assemble these care packages and and store food donations and clothing donations. So it'll be um, <clears throat> it'll be a place where we can uh, you know fully it'll be you know like almost like a university uh, you know be able to take all kinds of courses you know both independent you know virtual you can take a university course you can take GED course you can take everything anything and come across the computer we can do. But so there's the Kobe House. Then there's the the Dismas property again. That was donated by the same people that donated the Colby House, and that's um, um, currently one person lives there. And there's um, we're, we're getting that ready to eventually. That'll become a we'll have a, a place for about six guys living there. 
but then the and then there's one up in Saint uh, up in um, outside of Huntsville. It's called Saint uh, Saint Anthony House, and that's a double wide trail, real nice looking double wide trail, and that can hold six guys. So that's currently got two in it, and then the 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 big uh, the big big news, the good news, uh, the new news is the um, is the Colby Village, and um, and it's a a ten acre piece of land. It's got one currently one uh, two-bedroom mobile home on it, but more importantly than that, it's got a water well that's good water, and it's got a tank, and it's got electricity, and it's got fiber optic cable. So this place is just poised to, and it's fully forested. It's uh, the forest. You go into the forest. You come from the outside, and it's 100 degrees outside, and you walk into that forest, and it's 20 degrees cooler. It's it's just like walking through the gates into heaven. It's beautiful, beautiful. And the, the plan for it is you know, maybe if if Tommy wants to chime in on on how it, how it yeah, happened. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Deacon. Oh, okay. You're out of roll. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, there was a guy, um, uh, one of our uh, um, certified volunteer uh, chaplain assistants, uh, up in uh, Huntsville, and uh, he has some land in a family trust, uh, broken into ten acre parcels, and he wants to give one to dedicate one to be used. For this purpose of putting guys up, uh, you know, and, and again, it'll be a, a large faith-based community, but it'll be a, a, a faith-based community of um, uh, that that can be that can be huge. We can have 80 to 100 people living on it. So our our phase one is to get it all approved by TDCJ. Phase two is to start moving people into the existing uh, property that there's a there's a two bedroom, so that'll hold either two or four. Uh, and then we'll add two more, uh, add double-wide uh, trailers uh, that'll hold six apiece. We're going to add, add five or four of those, so that's uh, another 24. And then uh, then right down the middle of this, this arc of trailers will be our mobile homes, will be a giant um, a chapel. Though. Again, the men will build it themselves. There's a beauty of and a pride of craftsmanship when you can say, I built that. When you can point to a building, especially a house of God, and say, I helped build that. That's a beautiful thing. And, it's, and it, teaches, it actually also teaches them a lot of lessons how to build stuff. You know, it gives them some construction skills. But also um, just the idea that they, they built a church too. And so the, the, um, it'll be probably uh, 20 by 60 or maybe even 20 by 80, depending on uh, how ambitious we want to be, how, how far we want to go with it. But then behind that is the next phase, which will be a, a host of tiny homes. And, again, these tiny homes will be built by the men. And once they get it figured out so they can do these things efficiently, uh, then they even might build some for sale. So, But those will be a one-person uh, sole op- occupancy uh, on places that will be kind of like hermitages. So they'll be a very monastic. They'll be able to live, live there in, in, um, by themselves and have privacy and such. And then behind that, we'll have a monastery. Monastery, again, will be a large um, facility for for men who want to live in an ecclesial community with a ministry of going back into prison, uh, doing a prison ministry inside, and then assisting the men outside, uh, finding their way through in reintegration to become men of strong faith and men of, of, of strong service to the Lord. And, um, you know, by the time they go through our program, like at the Colby House, they have a car, they have a job, they have some money in their pocket, and most importantly, they got God in their hearts, minds, and souls. They're convinced, you know, we, we work on, we, we encourage them to, you know, to practice the faith every day and hardwire that into their brains that, um, you know, just a few minutes of prayer, but doing it every day can change their whole life, can change their attitude, can change not only their soul and their spirit, we can change the brain as well. You're hardwiring that stuff in so it becomes automatic that we're committing our our world, our lives to, to God. You know, what do you want me to do today, God? What's the task that I can do and no other can do? Just show me the way. And and so that's what um oh and then the the um the Kobe Village also will will do some some environmental we don't really want to um you know invade or impact the forest too much. We think that's a tremendous gift from God. So we'll we'll cut little pathways into it, but then um, we'll probably put in a small solar panel array to run the run the the pumps for the for the community. Run the water. We got a water well, 
run those pumps and push up the, the pressure tanks. Uh, we'll put in a large vegetable garden so that the the um, the community will be self-sustaining as far as their vegetable consumption goes. But also then there might be uh, some cottage industries. Someone's got a really, really wonderful salsa recipe. We'll, we'll grow tomatoes and peppers and onions, and we'll put together, uh, you know, some some great uh, salsa for, for sale or, or for use. Thank, thank Dismas Salsa. I like it. Yes, there's a, a heavenly salsa filled with fire. The fire of the Holy Spirit, something like that. But uh, anyhow, those are uh, – and then the, um, uh, there's some down timbers in the forest. We'll manage the forest, and, and we'll have um, partnerships with the nearby university to have people come in forestry management and kind of help us, guide us on, you know, what what trees need to be called. What, But what we want to do is we want to gather all the wood that is called and all the underbrush that might be a fire hazard, and we'll grind it all up or run it through a, ch- a chipper, wood chipper, and that those wood chips will be the, the road bed for the road to keep the dust down and, and uh, provide a, you know, um, a clean road bed, not for great big semi trucks, but for cars and, and assuming pickup trucks. So that way we're, we're recycling it as God wants us to do it. So uh, the, and then of course there, there'll be, um, there'll be faith requirements uh, and eventually we'll move towards the whole community will become uh, like a, like a lay Franciscan or a, uh, like the Oblates, um, Third Order, such. So it'll be something um, along those lines. Well, there will be a daily, you know, an order that they follow every day. So. But all of this, uh, all the, the Colby House idea, the reintegration program, uh, you know, as Tommy said, he put it together with some of, some of his guys. Uh, they, got, they got together and they put together a, a reintegration program. And we're basically following that fairly faithfully. You know, with uh, uh, daily prayer, uh, imitation of Christ, uh, following the, uh, you know, and using the mass on, on, they go to Sunday mass, and they go to this this Tuesday night mass, and then the Pete's Prayer and Popcorn Bible Study. So, but, uh, so there's, there's that, and that's really going. But all that started um, back in 2001 with the, um, when we started the Brothers of St. Dismas prison retreats, the weekend retreats. And where those came from is <clears throat> we were in a, we did a, uh, uh, we were doing, my wife and I and some other people from St. Maximilian Colby were, were involved with something called the Kairos Retreat, Kairos Prison Ministry. And Kairos is basically, it's, it's they say it's ecumenical, but it's basically a Protestant, um, and it's very powerful. Don't, don't, I'm not short selling it at all, but it's very po- powerful. But I, whenever I went on it and people found out I was Catholic, they would say, well, why can't we do something like this for the Catholics? And they kept asking and kept asking and kept asking. So, at that time, I wasn't a deacon, but I got together with the the the, uh, the prison um, the prison chaplain there, Deacon Bob Light, and said, "Why can't we do this?" And we were at that time we were doing a, a retreat program at our church. We'd been doing it for years. I figured, well, we can modify that and and take it into prison. So in 2001, we did our first uh, our first prison retreat, and it was it was well received, wonderfully received. You know, changed a lot of hearts and minds and and then what they do at the end of that retreat, they induct, there's an induction ceremony into the fraternity of the Brothers of St. Dismas. And so then they come in, they get a car, they get a medal. Uh, it's a nice induction that they promise to live their lives as a, as a faithful Catholic man. But then after that, there are uh, follow-up meetings, Brother of St. Dismas meetings. And uh, as of today, we are, uh, we've done retreats in 18 prisons, including uh, one uh, one women's prison. Uh, we have chapters in all of those. The, uh, uh, the our numbers are about almost 4,500 men and about 1,000 women that have, are brothers of Saint Dismas. So it's um it's been a real powerful program, and we now have a, a second team that's out in um, out in Fort Stockton, and they they service three units out there uh, where they do retreats. So anyhow, that's up. Uh, and that's where it got started. But uh, some of the guys they just wanted to share a few of the stories of, of some of the miracles that happened uh, on these retreats. There was, uh, there was one guy, his name was Paul. I didn't know his name. But a lot of times we're in these, these cramped spaces, so they're kind of almost sitting in your lap. You know, they're like five feet from the speaker. And so um, he's sitting there, and he's sending out negative vibes with all capital letters. You know, he's slouching in his seat right in front of the speaker. And you know, he's got his arms crossed, and he's kind of smirking a little bit. 
And you you just have to try to ignore that because it can drain your energy from <laughs> from being a speaker. It can distract you. But anyhow, so he listens. You know, Friday night we start. We're going great guns, and and he's not moving at all. And then Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, and Saturday after dinner, he gets up and says, "I want to say something." And I thought, "Oh boy, here we go." Uh, so <laughs> handing the microphone, and uh, he goes and says, "You know, uh, before I I got incarcerated, I was." Um, I drove muscle cars. I drove them as fast as I can drive them, you know, 100 miles, 120 miles an hour down the highway. And I was real reckless. But uh, one time, I, I um, he lost control of the car, and it started to flip. And he felt someone grab him and pull him out and throw him to the to the shoulder right before his car started to flip and smashed into a, a bridge abutment and burst into flames. Uh, but he did, he walked away with just a couple scratches, nothing and he always wondered who that, whose hand that was that reached in there and got him and saved his life. And he said, after listening to you guys, I now know who it is. It's Jesus. And I thought, whoa, where did this come from? You know, here's this guy that you know, I totally misjudged, totally misjudged. And here he's like, he's like Paul, you know, like Paul the Apostle, you know. He's, he's in here, I'm going to join this thing. He said, there's not, there's a, I'm going to learn what this is all about, this faith. So, uh, so he, he signed that. Another guy comes in and he's got FTL or FTW tattoo, great big bold tattoo on his forehead, and he comes in there and tells everybody he's grumpy, you know, he's a grumpy old guy, and comes in and says this stands for F. You fill in the words. Well, he doesn't say that, but F the world, F the world. Uh, okay, yeah. uh, okay, whatever. Okay, we're gonna go with it. Okay, so he's going along, and he's kind of grumping along, and then come Saturday, you see there's a little bit of movement, and Sunday morning, you kind of see him kind of getting a little easy, you know, relaxing a little bit, and starting to participate in the conversation. Then we go at the end of the retreat, right before we do the induction and go to Mass, uh, celebrate Mass, um, everyone has a chance to say what they got out of the retreat and tell us what they're going to do with it. Uh, he gets up there and he says, you know, I tell everybody what this FTW stands for. But now it's taken on a new, it's new now. Uh, it's found the way. Found the way. <laughs> Not F the world, it's now found the way. And he participates. Right. He still shows up, goes to the meetings. He's, he's a little brother say this, but found the way. And that's what we're called to do, help them find the way. Uh, find the way of Jesus. Uh, another guy just, just you know, tells stories all day, but the, another one was uh, a fellow. He was uh, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice recognizes the worship of Satan as a legitimate worship program for like that's really stretching what worship means. But yeah, they they can gather and they can worship their they can worship the devil. They can worship the devil. So this uh, and this guy was not only um, he wasn't only a member of that a Satanist, but he was one of their black priests. He was one of their uh, like a dark priest, black priest, they're a satanic priest. He led them in their satanic worship. So he he had a shaved head, and he had these gigantic devil, and they were very clearly devil horns tattooed, blood red tattooed on his forehead. Uh, you know, going all the way back to uh, halfway back to head. And so, you know, you look at him, and then he bends down. Hey, oh, man. Deacon, are, Deacon let, yeah. let me interject. For those who don't know, uh, prison tattoos are always in in different shades of green. So if he had a red tattoo of devil horns on his head, he had those before he went to prison. That means he was doing that before he went to prison. Go ahead, Deacon. I just had to interject. Oh, that. yeah. That, he, may, he may have brought it in with him. Yeah, that, that may have been... Didn't leave, I, I oftentimes ask guys, um, you know, they said, well, I live this kind of life. And I said, how's that working out for you? you know, look where it got you. So maybe there's an alternative. Maybe there's another way that you can go that uh, might lead you to, uh, you know, a life that's more successful or a life of freedom for that matter. Anyhow, so he, he goes and, um, uh, you know, and he's, he's Satanist, practicing Satanist, but somehow he's in this retreat and, you know, okay, well, we'll come one, come all. But we're going to teach the Catholic faith on this retreat. You can come as, uh, you know, whatever you come Hindu, Buddhist, Islam, a Muslim, whatever, Satanist. You can come whenever you want to come, 
uh, but we're going to teach you how to pay. So, and now he goes, and at the end, when it comes down down to his, um, uh, you know, his mic, his open mic uh, presentations, and he had this real big, deep, deep voice, you know. So he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm one of the satanic priests here, but I, I, I think you guys got a better deal here. I may have to check it out. And sure enough, about a year later, he received our, he went to RSA and became a Catholic. And because he had this great big deep voice, um, <laughs> he was he was one of the lectors. So he, he would do one of the he was a reader, one of the readers wow. at the mass. So here we're having a confirmation class or a confirmation uh, mass, and here the bishop is there, and bishop sitting in a chair, you know, kind of presiding over everything, and and here Roger, his name is Roger, but rather than him just bowing at the altar, he comes right up to the bishop, right up to the bishop, you know, three feet from his face, and he bows down, and here the bishop sees these big devil horns, and it's, the bishop's eyes got as big as big as baseballs. I mean, he was, wow, what's going on? I said, it'll be okay, it'll be okay, bishop. Um, it's a good conversion story. <laughs> so. So anyhow, he went back and he, he, he you know, um, beautifully proclaimed um, the uh, the the letter, one of the readings, and just just a wonderful thing. But the thing is, that was so neat to see that you're the guy that is, you know, worshiping the the devil, the you know, dark dark devil, you know, this darkness, the heart of darkness, and suddenly he's turning his life to Christ. Wow, just just incredible. But um, you know, there's there's other folks like that that are. You know, do all kinds of, you know, the, the retreats change it. But now what we've learned, what we've learned is if you do the retreats, you can drop, depending on whose study you listen to, you can drop a 40%, you know, about one and two going back to prison in a couple of years, re, re, um, reoffending or violating parole and they're going back. But what you, you can do if, if you can um, get them in a faith-based program like the Brothers St. Dismas, the number goes from like, say, 40 to 50%, goes down to under 20%. You still lose a few after they get out. But if you take them into a, an aftercare program or a, or a reintegration program or a faith-based community, best of all, like uh, uh, like the Colby House, then they will go and um, they will have uh, – so far we've had nobody go back. We've had, you know, 15, 20 guys in the program <clears throat> that have gone through, and none of them have gone back. They all got their own places, those that have gone on. Their own places, and, and just uh, you know, kind of a our poster child. Uh, you know, just a, a beautiful thing that's happened is the first guy that was in there. His name was Jesse, and Jesse came in, and he was um, he, was, uh, he had a cl- what's called a club foot, which means the foot is turned in, it's turned under. So you're always he's always walking with a limp. You know, he's got a favoring that foot. Well, and as a result of that, um, you know, he can't work a job where he's standing on his feet all day. You know, try standing on your foot for eight hours a day, and it ain't going to happen. So uh, what we do is when the person first comes out, they go through, they get their, they get a, they get their, um, get all their, their paperwork done, their social security card, their, um, their insurance card, their, they get a wellness exam. uh, They they get a whole bunch of paper, and it's like done in, in four hours. There's a place downtown that's just a miracle working place. They get all that stuff, and one of the things was, uh, they get their shots, and then the uh, a physician assistant or a nurse looks at them, gives them a, um, a wellness, a physical, and, oh, okay, your foot's uh, curled up like that. Uh, it's called foot. So she scheduled a, an orthopedic surgeon to come in and, and do a consult for them, and they did it. And so first the doctor said, well, let's put them on a, uh, put on a, you know, boot, you know, boot, and kind of, you know, pad the edge of his foot and see if that'll work. Well, that didn't work. And they were going to try physical therapy. And you just can't undo 44 years of, of twisted up tendons by just twisting your foot. Oh, it did cause a lot of pain. So that didn't work. Then they said, well, why don't you just use a cane? Well, okay, use a cane. That's what I was using before. But um, so then the doctor finally said, you know, I could probably fix this pretty easily. So he goes in, rewires the tendons, rewires the muscles, straightens his foot out. And when he left the um, when he left the Colby house, uh, and he went, moved up, and he's working on a ranch right now. But when he left the Colby house, he walked out on two feet. No longer was he lame. No longer did he have a club foot. He walked out on two feet. Now he won't run a 
Um, he won't run a marathon, but he ran, walked out on two feet. And now that man can um, he can do the work of a man in, in a he can stand on his feet for eight hours. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of almost reminds me of the biblical, you know, where God made the the lame walk and the mute talk and the blind see and the deaf hear and you know, cleanse the lepers. Well, he did it. He did it to Jesse. He did it to Jesse. All the all the little coincidences that made that happen are not coincidences at all. They're just acts of God, one after another after another. And it was, it, it's just such a neat story. And now, now he when he he came out uh, when he came out and moved into the house um, two weeks later, he was on one of our church retreats. So he was participating. A, a year later, he's still with us, and he um, he gave his witness. He was on the team, so he he gave a witness of what it was. Uh, uh, what it was like in prison, how he got there, how his mom, he said his mom and dad were, they could have fixed his foot when he was an infant. There's a brace they can put on and they can correct it. But he said they were just too busy drinking and drugging to, to take care of me. So, uh, But he found someone that would take care of him. Tommy and myself and God and Jesus. So anyhow, that was, um, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's those kinds of stories uh, that are just the fuel for this ministry. You know, just uh, you hear about that, and real miracles happen. And they happen today, and they happen now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> amen, brother. Amen. Amen. You know, another uh, seemingly coincidence, when I was listening to you uh, give the history of uh, – of, uh, the you know the brothers of Saint Dismas, and he said it got started in 2001. And I and I've, I've told this story before. It was in 2001. You know I was a gang leader on the Beetle One unit, and um, I was trying to figure out a place where we could we could have our meetings without being uh, seen by the guards. And uh, there was a we had a Protestant warden that hated Catholics. And so the Catholic service was conducted by Father Harold Paulson, and they didn't allow any guards in there. They were hoping that it would become so disruptive they could just shut it down. So I was like, oh, man, this is a perfect opportunity. So uh, we started utilizing uh, before and after the services uh, to have our, our gang meetings. And I got with the other gang leaders, and, and uh, I was like, look, we got to control the uh we got to control the 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 uh the people and uh the only way to do that is is through us you know they don't have no guards in here so we're going we're going to uh we're going to police the mass so that it don't get shut down and uh so during the mass it was you so quiet you could hear the pin drop everybody was scared to be disruptive because they knew uh the violent repercussions of being disruptive right and yeah. So during the mass, uh, there's nothing else to do but listen to the priest. And and I like to say the priest got his hook in me and reeled me in, right? And so it was <laughs> November 2001 that uh, that I uh, became Catholic, right? I was on BO1, uh, which was, you know, still a, a gladiator unit. And I was doing everything I could to, to, to live the faith. But the the one hindrance was uh, I was still real quick to fight. So not long after that, uh, and it was crazy because I knew nothing about uh, – we didn't go to gang meetings or anything like that. I didn't know what was going on, but a big riot occurred. And, um, of course, uh, <laughs> when it happened, I, I, I was – there was no – I was in it, and uh, – they had me on on video doing you know uh what I do, and they ended up putting me in uh segregation and while I was in segregation on beetle one uh Father Harold Paulson would bring me uh communion, hear my confession, and bring me books. The only books we could have were the books that were brought by the priest, and he would bring me just just books and books about the lives of the saints. And so for a year and a half, I was I was segregated, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, you know I want to follow you, but if if somebody hits me, I'm gonna hit them back. I just I don't know what to do about that. 
So when when I got out, I had only been on maximum security units. And uh, when I got out of segregation, miracle of miracles, they sent me to Ramsey too, where Deacon Denny, Brother Tommy, uh, Deacon Light, all the Brothers of St. Distance, all of this was happening. And uh, that was that was like as far as the 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 spiritual flame in my heart that was the fuel I needed to to make it a roaring fire you know and uh, I mean it's not of course not coincidence at all but I, when I was listening to your time frame I was like wow that's crazy that's when I became Catholic <laughs> yeah that's beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's, so we're hoping that the, uh, uh, you know, that we have more stories like that where guys uh, come in and they they give it a try, they listen, they hear a good message, and they want to hear more. That the merit message is so powerful and it's so attractive to them that they, uh, yeah, well, I, want, I want to know more. I want to know more. And uh, If you don't mind, I'd like to ask a question. Yeah. So going back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago with with uh, this apostolate, I'm just curious when you try to start something like this up, how do you convince people to donate? And, and I'm not just talking about individuals, but the the church and and, and Catholic programs and Catholic organizations. How, how do you convince them to to come forward with the the funds that you need to get something like this started and get something like this going? Well, uh, this, this, uh, Tommy, you got something on that? Uh, I just, yeah, he just did it. All we do is keep talking, keep insisting that uh, it's going to happen, and stay positive, and we live our life like we talk. talk. Yeah. And the Lord takes care of it. He always has. Yeah, I think one of the things that, um, uh, you know, this idea of the that the program is attractive to, you know, the uh, um, following Jesus, you know, is attractive to the men, but it's also attractive for to our donors to see that happening. And so donors, you know, when you're talking about donors, you hear, you know, you hear about people like Jesse and you hear about Roger and you hear about you know, people that are, you know, uh, you know, are profoundly physically, spiritually changed. And change for the better, um, you know. The, people, yeah, okay, we need some of that. People, well, people I'll, go along. Deacon, I think also um, when it comes to something like the Brothers Saint Dismas and the Kobe House, um, it's it, it, and it might be on a subconscious level, but uh, citizens, not just Catholics, but citizens of society, when they look at this, you know. You got to look at it like, uh, you know, people like myself who were, uh, you know, gang members and, and just just career criminals, right? Okay, well, you give them a 10-year sentence, guess what? They get out in 10 years, you know? And so mm-hmm. it doesn't stop them from becoming a, a detriment to society. It doesn't stop them from becoming a danger to society, they're going to get out. Okay, you give them twenty years, they're going to get out in twenty years, right? And uh, so they're still a danger to society, and it might be on a subconscious level. But people in society, when they see that, hold up, there's a program that changes these people from career criminals to actually benefiting society to to giving back to society, to working for society instead of working against society. And when you got a program like this that that does just that, um I think a lot of people want to give to it because, you know, even if it's on a subconscious level, they realize that um okay, this program is 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 actually it, it's not um it's not a punishment for the guy who's going to get over the punishment and get back out here, and I got to be scared of him. No, this is going to change the guy. 
This is going to change that career criminal to where now if it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I got a flat tire, I don't have to worry about this dude getting out of his car and robbing me. No, he's going to get out of his car and help me change my tire, you know? Yeah. And I I think people are seeing that, you know? Yeah, like the – and that's – the, the whole idea of the homeless uh, outreach thing it was it was it was the guy's idea it wasn't wasn't my idea or Tommy's idea it was their idea and they uh, they support it they do the work of it and I do a lot of Shout it. Out to Oscar that was originally Oscar's idea yeah, yeah. and so those um uh, but you know back to fundraising and things like that we uh, we, we will sometimes you know get someone that'll be a, uh, you know give us several thousand dollars and, and help us or you know give us a house you know that was. That was a huge donation, but uh, the other thing is to make the the program uh, uh, scalable. You know, have um, you know, uh, like for example, Kobe Village will organically grow itself. So it'll be they'll first be you know as as the facility fills up, we will build another one and another one and another home, another home, another home, another home. Uh, you know, and as they fill up, uh, you know, it's, it's not like we're going to build this giant university. And then hope and pray that somebody's going to show up for it. I think other ministries have made that mistake, so you have to figure out a way of making it scalable, which means um, you know to to build that as the need is identified, uh, you accommodate the need, you you address the need, and you accommodate it. So, um, that, but the, the big thing is you know the threshold that the village is having the property, and that's uh, you know once you got some property on the ground. Then you can do all kinds of things with it, and that's um, it's a real exciting time because it's, it, there's so much potential there that uh, of serving the Lord in a million different ways. But um, uh, you know we're we're excited about it, and hopefully um, uh, we'll hear from the state and get TDCJ to approve us, and uh, away we go, away we go. But yeah, as far as fundraising goes, um, uh, you know we've, we've talked to like Knights of Columbus, Catholic Daughters. Uh, you know, we've been we've been um, the recipients of um, you know golf tournaments and things like that. Uh, you know, we never hosted or something, but but people, we are always you know very thankful for people to give us to give us uh, money for those programs. And I think the idea is, it, it does the program have value, uh, even to the unchurched or to you know the businessman. I mean, do you want um, you want a man coming out of prison? that has honed his crime craft, for lack of a better word, uh, and filled his heart with the hatred of being locked up for 10, 20 years. Do you, do you want that kind of guy coming out? Or do you want a guy coming out that he, he's been free since ever since he met Jesus Christ, he, you know, that, that freedom on the cross? Do you want someone you know, that, that has committed his life to trying to serve God, to love his neighbor as himself, and to love, to love his neighbor as Christ first loved him? If you got a guy like that with that kind of attitude, you're gonna have a productive employer, you're gonna have a productive citizen, you're gonna have a faithful follower, a man of strong faith, you know, a faithful follower of Jesus. And that's 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 what we wanna build. And that's what we are building at the Kobe House. And that's what hopefully we'll build at the Kobe Village and, and at Saint Anthony House and such. So, so um you know, that's that's the vision. And uh, and people the once they hear that, well, I, yeah, I'll support you a little bit. You know, the, and some support us with continuing monthly donations. Some are, you know, at the year-end donations. Some are, um, you know, one one you know one and done type donation. Uh, but you know, it's the money's going to come in all kinds of different ways. And and also, if you and once if you're doing dealing with people that are outside, you know, uh, they can they can move the cottage industry, but also they. Um, we charge a program fee. Once they get their feet on the ground and once they get a job and once they get, get moving a little bit, um, like several months down the road, we charge them a, a $100 a week type of program fee, which is a very good deal, and that includes your utilities and a place. Uh, yeah. So those are kind of the mechanics of it. But it's um, uh, the whole idea is to, if we're going to save the world, we're going to have to start someplace, and this is a real good place to start. Uh, and 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 the thing is, the other the also thing is trust in the Lord. You know, He sent manna. He said the bread of heaven from uh, to the people wandering in the desert. Israel, Israel, Israelites wandering in the desert. 
We sent them uh, manna every day and said, just trust me, there'll be more tomorrow. Uh, I guess we got to pray for, for something similar to that. And that's what we we trust in him to take care of us. And so far, he's been he's been taking care of us. And, uh, you know, the, the expansions and things like that are just, you know, it's kind of like that stone soup, the idea of the stone soup. You know, the soldiers come in, they fill a big pot of water, and they start boiling it, and there's nothing in it but three stones. And people come by, you know, I've got some carrots here, or I've got a piece of meat they can throw in there, give it a little flavor. Here's some salt, you know. I mean, the idea is it's a, it becomes a community effort. And, uh, you know, I, the people at, uh, at St. Max, I've talked to them over and over again about this is what we're doing. This is, this is affecting real people's lives. And when you affect the guys at the house's lives, when you affect them, and then they go out and affect, positive affect like the homeless people, uh, it's, it's just, you know, that, um, it's the, you know, the pay it forward idea. Uh, they go out and, you know, now what we've done uh, with this homeless outreach thing is, the guys work, uh, you know, hand out the packages, and then we've got a, care, a prayer team that goes around, and the, the prayer team uh, introduces themselves and say, hey, "Hi, Joe. Um, my name is Deacon Danny. Can uh, can I pray for you? Is there anything you want me to pray for? Like, let's pray for for his kids or whatever." And we do that, and then uh, I, I ask, "Is there anything specific?" We write on a little uh, sticky pad, and we put it on a great big cross. We bring along a great big six foot tall cross. We put it on there, and just gets all covered with the, all these prayer requests. But then we we flip the chart. Um, we flip it back on him, the homeless person, Joe. We say, Joe, um, would you do the honor of praying for me? And then he he prays back to us. And then at the end of our our ministry, and on Saturday mornings, we gather around the around the rose around the uh, cross, and we pray the rosary. And anybody, we give rosaries to everybody and anybody. And they and we. If they don't know how to pray it, we just give it to them. They'll figure it out and just follow along. And they um, they get something out of it. They get something out of it. We, and we find people that uh, we can help them get off the street. We've helped like 16 people uh, in our ministry. We've helped 16. Now, that's not everybody, but we've helped 16 that aren't going to freeze. They're not going to melt in this heat. Uh, they're now in, like, at Isaiah House and other places. So, but it's it all that all starts with uh, them trusting in us and us trusting in God to to show us the way of how we can we can best help. Well, so. Deacon, I don't want you to limit yourself because you know you're putting a number on it, but you got to really think about it because you've helped a lot of people that haven't actually gone through the Kobe House, right? You helped a yeah, lot, yeah. a lot, lots of people lots. who may never get out of prison, and you've helped them uh, uh, submit their will to Jesus Christ. But not only convicts, ministers, um, uh, many ministers, uh, you know, you you get closer and closer to Jesus the more you uh, share your faith. And and even though they might not uh, give these testimonies and you might not hear their story, but going into those prisons, and and I mean I mean be honest, Deacon. When you walk inside of a prison, you you can feel the evil. You you can feel it, you know. And these ministers go in there and share their faith in an evil and sinful world, and and it strengthens their faith. So I wouldn't put a number on. I mean, of course, you're gonna put a number on how many people have. You know, successfully made it. You know, through the program or whatnot. But and that Terry, program has. Yes. Terry, just want to warn you that we're under forty-five seconds in the live stream, so less than forty-five okay. seconds left in the live stream, then we go archive. No problem. Um, you you helps um, so many. I mean, the the homeless outreach that you got. You have no. I mean, there's no way to quantify. How many complete strangers the the Kobe House and the Brothers of Saint Dismas have actually helped uh, uh, draw closer to God? Does that make sense, Deacon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You never you, the um, the seeds that we're planting. You just never know what the harvest is going to look like. Uh, a lot, a lot of it, you'll never see what it's going to look like. So, but it'll be a good harvest. It'll be a good harvest. Amen. Amen. Um, 
Tommy, uh, Deacon, y'all have any closing words y'all want to pitch in there? I I just uh, I I just want to thank you for this opportunity for allowing us to to be able to talk about the the Kobe House and the programs and the Brothers St. Dismas and and um, you know we're just very very thankful for this this time to, to spread the word about our ministry and and um, hopefully uh, it, it encouraged others to do something similar. Well, we appreciate well, that. We if, there's, if there's any way you can kind of spread the word about what we're trying to do here, uh, so we can uh, stay stay viable and keep and keep spreading the word. Uh, we appreciate yeah. uh, anyone that you could uh, send our way. Uh, John, I think um, in answer to your question earlier, um, the 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 way you get the the men of faith behind you is that your program is working. For each program, that's going to be uh, a different set of steps or boxes to check off that our program is working, right? Um, I think for us, our platform here on on uh, the fourpersons.com is um, we are we're a megaphone for uh, ministries such as uh, the Kobe House and the Brothers of St. Dismas, and our success is going to be uh, allowing them on our platform the opportunity to share what they're doing and it and we, i know you got like luke haskell and some some other really good shows uh lined up on the fourpersons.com and each one of them has a has a different um vantage point uh right a different piece of the community that that they're reaching right so they might want to get organizations that that uh you know like if you're just talking about um you know catholic teaching or doctrine or this or that there's there's other organizations that do just that so they need to kind of maybe give a megaphone to organizations within the church that do what what they're doing also you know and and in doing so uh as we help these catholic programs become more successful that is where our success will be measured. Does that make sense? It, it does. Uh, Deacon, we're in the archive here. We're we're not not broadcasting live. Of course, people who listen to the archive will be able to listen, but we're not broadcasting live now. So, would you, Deacon, would you uh, give us a closing prayer, please? Sure. Uh, just just one real real quick thing. Uh, do you guys have a this? Has uh, this show been made so it can go on Facebook? Absolutely. It has an embeddable player. Uh, You can drop links in Facebook. We have our own Facebook group. Uh, We can, if you want to email us, we can kind of uh, provide any way that you'd like to disseminate it. Like, let me give you our email address. It's email at the four persons.com, and the the four is the number four. So, email at the four persons.com. Fourpersons.com. Okay, and it's, so it's email at at four persons. Okay, at because what was the, I can put it on my Facebook.com. Yeah. Okay, we can put it on our. If, if I can send mine to you, and then uh, I can put it on my Facebook, and I've got a bunch of people on it, and then they can start sending it around. It's um. Uh, you know, and and then is there on that they didn't mention how do you guys how do you donate to you? Um, you? Well, right right now we just got our uh, credit card platform. They fixed the back end of it, so now all I've got to do is, and I'll do this weekend, is put it on our website so that people can uh, engage the platform. They'll be able to donate by credit card. Until then, yeah. until I got it going, they can send a check to the Four Persons Inc. One one two one four. Uh, no, PL Box one one two one four, Manassas, Virginia, two zero one one three. Gotcha. And they make their check out to the Four Persons Inc. Incorporated. Okay. And it is tax deductible. We can provide that information. It is an official five hundred one c three. 
good. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Well, thank you all uh, again. And um, can I say a closing prayer here? So pray Please yeah. do, brother. Please. Okay. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, you, you created us all for a purpose. And that task is a specific task for the church and for mankind. And, Lord, you've always known the work we are all cut out for and a work which only we can do and no other. So if we do not accept this work, it will never be done. Therefore, we all have a job to do. And make clear to me and clear to all of us uh, your will, and we will follow you in whatever that task may be. I know that we can all do do all things in you, our strength. We do this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, Dini, before we uh, before we uh, go off air, um, could you lead us since this is a spiritual battle? Could you lead us in the Saint Michael's prayer, please? Let's see here, uh, Saint Michael, defend us. Let's see, I've, I've got. <laughs> Hang on. Okay, I'll see. lead it. I'll lead it, and you you follow yeah, along, brother. Yeah, in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Saint Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Then Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Deacon, Tiny, I love having y'all on. I want y'all to come on as much as possible. All right, guys. Well, you guys take care, and may God bless y'all, and always be assured that you never walk alone. God's with you always. God bless. Amen. Keep up God's work. Thank you.